Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ooh, baby. I am in the Vegas of the Northwest, Salem, Oregon. Guys, welcome back to the About Last Night podcast. Hope you're having a great uh, start to the week. And... Um, Man, quick shout out to Portland and Seattle. Sold out shows at the Triple Door. Unreal hometown. Guys uh, made it a special birthday weekend. Turned 41. I'm still here, baby. I ain't dead yet. Suck on that. Katie Couric. I don't know. Uh, Portland shows at the Get Down. New favorite venue. Holy shit. The footage coming from those shows. It's going to blow your mind. It's fucking amazing. Shout out to my boy Randall uh, and his crew for, for capturing uh, those programs. Uh, this week, of course, uh, I'm going to be in Colorado Springs at uh, Ease Comedy Club. New venue. Can't wait. Come out. Denver, Colorado. Wherever you live near the Rocky Mountains, come see your boy. Tickets at AdamRayComedy.com. Um, and then after that, we're going to Dania, Fort Lauderdale. The Improv, July 14th through the 16th. After that, Covina, the new Laugh Factory, July 20th through the 23rd. And then, of course, Arizona, Tempe Improv, back, baby, 28th and 29th. Come see your boy. All the tickets, adamraycomedy.com. I'm on tour until the end of the year. The Barbie movie. I'm in the Barbie movie, and it comes out July 21st. Go see that. But before you see that, watch today's episode with my buddy, the hilarious Mike Young. You know him from his special, Who the Fuck is Mike Young? You know him from uh, countless TV appearances and movies that he's directed and written including the new one that he's got coming out called Stealing Jokes. The guy's a fucking savant. He's hilarious. We talk about everything from Bob Saget being on the road with him, um, the, the great late Bob Saget, uh, the male pickup basketball games that Mike and I play in, uh, his start in L.A. with Leo and Tobey Maguire. It's an awesome pod. We laugh the whole time. Mike's a gene. Yes, and a gangster. Follow him at the Real Mike Young on Instagram. Follow me at Adam Ray Comedy on all social media platforms. Get your Adam Ray merch. Right here, huh? a lot of new merch up, the Judge Judy shirts, the Adam Ray hats, go get them, and subscribe right here. Click subscribe so you can get all the clips and uh, and goodies coming your way. We've got a lot of special episodes coming out, but now that we've got the tour dates, Twitter handles, and merch info out of the way, sit back, relax, and enjoy a brand new episode of the About Last Night podcast with the one and only Mike Young. Hey, it's Herbert, mm-hmm. and you're listening to the About Last Night podcast, you slippery little son of a bitch. And the myth, the legend, Mike Young, back on the show. Last time you were here, I'm doing it Sans Dwarf now. Sans Dwarf? Yeah. What happened? He wanted to be a dad. Is a dad. Wanted to be. Wanted to be. Became one. Is it. Wanted to just do dad and stand up. And I respect that. We did 10 years, 500 eps, and he was like, dude, I'm hanging up uh, right. You know the um, the uh, step stool, as, uh, as he says. <laughs> we all want to be a dad, bro. I want to be a dad. I might you be do? a dad. I oh, have no idea, but- after you so know, maybe twenty years out there? in this town, 
There's a baby in a car somewhere. <laughs> Driving. I, you'd actually would be a great dad, and you probably know that. Thanks, bro. Yeah. I appreciate it. You, oh, I, I want to be a dad. And I'll just say this out of the bat, because you're funny and you're kind, and you've got a Jewish mother-type quality that comes out in uh, in exchanges with the people that have gotten to know you. Appreciate that. And I, I think like the kid would, and I feel like the kid would get to know you pretty well. Hopefully, it's your kid. I mean, I did play ball against a kid who looked just like me, who was like 19 years old at the YMCA. I'm like, where was your mom in 01? Where was your mom? Some meet this the Fokker shit. I, it was some meet the Fokker shit straight up in my face. You know what I'm talking about, right? Plus, the kid had good handles. I was wow. Like, faster feet than me. I'm like, what athlete now, now, did I maybe sleep with back in the day? Now, let's talk about this. What would you do? If like, yeah, dude, you're like out there and you run, you're like some Susan Sarandon spin ping pong club, you know, in New York City and you see some kid that's just fucking, you know, I know you're not a Southpaw, but like just ripping it up, spin city, pointing to Sarandon, she's cheering for him. So he's obviously got clout uh, in what he's doing. And he's got my face. Yes. And you just go, I got to ask, dude, where were you? Who's your dad? And he goes, I don't know. I think he's some comic and friends with Stamos and Michael Rappaport. (laughs) And you go, that's a specific bio. I go, yo. Medium dick Mike. Exactly. Good to meet you. I go, great to meet you. Let's go talk. Let's go to a deli tonight. We're going to go talk about this. A deli is a great place in any movie or in life. <clears throat> a deli, I feel like, is where you know marriages go to reconcile and business deals go to uh, get made. And... Um, Long lost kids Kids get go to found. drink. Yeah, get found. <laughs> yeah. With their father. The kid on the... <laughs> Over soup. We're going to go talk about your family that you don't know. We're talking about, you and I do this every time we talk, by the way. We, it's Riff City, but then there's always a movie idea at the end of this. Right. This happened the last time we talked for about an hour and a half about, well, about the rec league, the dads in the rec league. Yes. Which is a great, it's a great idea for, whether, even if it's like a, you know, um, uh, uh, what's that movie? Ensemble. Uh, an ensemble rom-com. Yeah. You know, like a um, she's just not that into you type thing. Totally. Or if it's uh, a more grittier, like eastbound and down, you know, foot fist way, f- like raw indie comedy of these like five dads that are all in different stages. Of life. And you're one of them where it's, and this is maybe your story, where it's yeah. like you just fucking found your kid. And the rest of them maybe are all in marriages with kids or one's recently divorced with the kid. You know, you yeah. get, you got different. Um, I know. love it, bro. We should spitball. We should just name this podcast Spitball. And at the end of it, we come up with episode one. It's funny, man. Stamos put me in a room one time. He had a show where like a kid got dropped. You know, it was like he put you in a writer's got, room. A writer's room. Finish the thought because yeah, they, a lot of our listeners me, were like, "All right, Stamos, Stamos has an aggressive dark side where he, he just locks in you room. in a sauna." Yeah, you should he, see his house. I've been in that room. He uh, goes, yeah. "If you can't take the heat, get out of the sauna." And you go, "That's not the saying, John." <laughs> Twenty more minutes. Yeah, he put me in a writer's room of a show he had maybe five years ago. That like a kid gets dropped off at his house, and that whole situation happened. Don't think I haven't thought about that possibility. I mean, wait, 20... a kid got dropped off at the house? I'm saying, like, his kid showed up at his door. That was, like, the premise of his pilot episode. For Grandfathered. Uh, is that what it was? Yes, Grandfather? Yeah, Josh Peck. Yeah. Yeah, was that, like, five years ago? Yeah. Yeah, five years ago. Stamos put me in the writer's room. He's like, yo, will you go in there and punch up jokes for the, with these guys? And that's and a it was real Mike... story. Yeah, and it was Mike Royce. Yeah. Was the showrunner. Great yes. dude. Bought me an Apple TV. Like, no money, but they just bought me a Christmas gift. Very for my nice. Work. I feel it's like better all, than a show mug, bro. All I feel like all I do is work for Apple TV, Hulu. I work for Roku's. You know what I mean? If you hook up my cable, I'll yeah. write your whole season, dude. If you have a password for Pax, I'll check back in and see yeah. what 
you know, Diane Lane's friends are doing, you know, because <laughs> Diane Lane killing it. But her friends that didn't, you know, come through on auditions that uh, were substantial are working on shows that only air on PAX. And if you know what PAX is, I think it was the Christian TV network. It was like Channel 6. In Seattle, Channel 6 now is like a weird NBC affiliate where they'll play like, you know, um, like ping pong classics. But you're like, I don't ABC even know. ABC Sports? ABC Sports. Ping pong? Yeah. No, not even that. Okay. Like stuff that just should live on YouTube. Right. So PAX just gave you a lot of, Kirk Cameron probably was in a lot of it because there was a lot of like, you know, sure, gays can eat sandwiches, but should they really be able to ride the bus? And you're like, is this the whole <laughs> movie? Or and, and this is Kirk Cameron doing the the narration and and playing both part, you know, CGI. So, um, so I guess my question is, do I have a kid out there that I don't yeah. know? Probably not. But I really did just play ball against a kid who looked just like me, and I had the thought of, like, let me see where this kid was. You know what I mean? Where his mom was in 01. And I love the rec league idea because, you know, just like my act, I've been in every league. Yeah. And I, it's funny because I'm tat i like, this This is a bit that could go on for 40 minutes. But, I, you know, of course, as a lazy writer sometimes, it's a four-minute bit yeah. that should be 40 minutes. Yeah. You know what I mean? I should name every player that's out there because there's so many of these characters on that team. And a rec league – I know rec league's been kicked around here and there, like in the, in the zeitgeist, in the you know TV world, but – I don't know, man. Let's go talk to Casey Boys over at HBO and see what he wants to do. You need real people that have lived the rec lifestyle um, and also and are at a stage in life where people can connect with it. Like, yeah. we're at the age where it's like, yeah, that's a still a very much a thing. Yeah. And then maybe, you know, and then give or take five years up and down. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the 19, 20, even 25-year-old dudes... They're still at LA Fitness and whatnot. They're not like no. They don't hit the forty-year-old. You know what I mean? Yeah. Worn. You know what I mean? Beat down the hockey league. Injuries guy, are basketball. just waiting in the wings. Yeah, just two knee braces. Oh, there's also more elbow. life shit going on that gets commiserated with after you. You see, uh, young twenty-year-olds at Twenty Four Hour Fitness. They're like they're hitting the clubs after. They're on Tinder like it, it, during a timeout. Which there's no timeouts in LA Fitness, but there are because these kids are so fucking disconnected yeah. from hoops and connected into women. Yeah. And you're like fucking, you look at them and being like, hoping that they'll be like, we're gonna roll to high. And you're like, yeah. nah, I gotta ice my asshole. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah. So it there's a lot more, um, I guess, just you know, trauma that a 40 year old's dealing with of at course. a pickup game, post. and it all comes out in the game. Yeah. I we I don't know if we talked about it or not, but like you know, you I brought you to the game at the YMCA that time. Set the table. And 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 you're my guy, bro. Like you, pu I think you pushed somebody down, <laughs> or you got into a little bit of a fight. And I'm like, you know what, Adam Ray's no punk. Like I bring Adam Ray, he doesn't care what show you're on, Jerry. You know what I mean? I, I didn't touch Jerry Ferrara. You didn't touch Jerry, Jerry but I, I think I'm a some... big fan. But also, you know, size difference. You gotta you, you can't pick fights with people uh, smaller than you. But the the kid was bigger than me. And hey, man, he was talking all game, talking Chirping. all game. And I'm the new guy, so I'm I'm playing with kid gloves. But hey, man, two things I'm gonna control: boxing out and uh, wide bodied, and and wide and and playing committed defense. I gotta, I I can't uh, assume that I'm gonna be uh, getting the ball every possession. Yeah. I might park in the corner for some 
open threes when when I see people start to you know be like new guy probably yeah. got it you know and then let me just start you know uh, uh, making it rain Philip Seymour Hoffman style from along came Polly <laughs> but instead I decided to stay in the post and just get rebounds and hustle and sh- and and earn my stripes that way and so this guy was you know definitely a lifer in the game and he was like dude new guys bumping and grinding too hard which this, you weren't you same- were just playing ball just playing ball, playing ball with I was, you know, I had Charles Oakley shoes on with you know, Patrick Ewing Hart and a fucking, you know, John Starks, you know, mindset. And <laughs> I was just Starks <laughs> mindset. You were gonna say footwork, and you realize what you're about to say, and you just went right to mindset. You're like John Starks mindset. Great cover, bro. Great. Listen, I've had so uh, many run-ins in men's leagues. Never like, asked all my moments. Yeah, I've almost been. I, I remember. <laughs> Ben Affleck and Matt Damon 19 years ago at the Y playing in their league. They had like a personal trainer that would come with them. And I remember he got chippy with me. And we started kind of like jabbing at each other a little bit. Like, like it got their little, trainer did. Their personal, someone told me it was their trainer. It was like Igor was, like he was like a personal trainer, choppy it's English. like, I saw the first draft of Goodwill Hunting. You're like, okay. But, but we got cool for a minute and he was like one of these guys who like, kind of taught them boxing but really didn't know boxing like a hollywood boxer gotcha and he kind of like and i knew how to box and i threw a couple moves on him but i didn't touch him but he fell he like fell in the gym like i tripped him up he just got off balance and he fell Uh i remember matt damon and ben affleck bro looking at me like who's this guy from detroit (laughs) that we're gonna respect every tuesday (laughs) night at eight I've, i've had so many of those moments bro i got in men's league hockey I don't know if I told told you this, but like I, I got cross checked in the back in the corner. I turn around, I'm like, oh man, this dude just like is strong. He just cross checked me. We start grabbing each other. We're like tugging at each other. Dude's got like hair coming out of his helmet, long hair, and we don't end up really fighting. But we kind of both got penalties, yeah. both tugged a little bit. Yeah. I get back to the bench. They're like, you know who that was? I'm like, who? He's like David E. Kelly. I'm like greatest showrunner of all time. Wow. Damn right, I'm I, getting in the writers' room for those people. I that fight do- to get in the writers' room. <laughs> yeah, d- literally. It was David E. Kelly, but he was no punk. David E. Kelly of Strong. We're looking at Melrose Place, Ally McBeal, right? Yeah. Um, Legend ev- in the game. Anything on Fox in the 90s, basically. That David was... E. Kelly, top showrunner in the game. Wow. This... Not afraid to cross check a regular, slow footed hockey player for the They appreciate Detroit. that. There are athletes and people that are like, I'm sure if you play pickup with Magic, he's not going to appreciate you fucking throwing bows. Not at all. As well, not you, at all. And as, well as he shouldn't. Yeah. You shouldn't be doing that. No, we had Marty McSorley play on our team one time from the Kings, and a dude on the other team didn't know it was McSorley, and McSorley kept telling him, yo, bro, quit getting chippy, quit getting chippy. And he chopped at McSorley's ankle in a corner, and McSorley, who's 15 years in the pros, Gretzky's bodyguard, elbowed the dude. The dude left his feet, flew backwards, hit his head on the boards, went down, probably unconscious (laughs) for about 40 seconds. McSorley didn't even think about a lawsuit. (laughs) He's just it's just ingrained in him. You just don't mess with part of his people. DNA, yeah. But men's league, rec leagues There's, are like the best. Mikey, we gotta put pen to pad on this because I think there I ain't is afraid. I'm already seeing like it's a weird the way that I enjoyed I just got into Friday Night Lights about eight months ago. Oh the yeah. The T V show. Yeah. I'm not I think there's like nineteen seasons, so I just yeah. I, I'm about three in and I think I'm done. I'm done watching high school kids in general. No doubt. Right? When my nieces and nephew get there, yeah, I'll be I'll, I'll be invested one on one. But when I'm watching these, like you know, <laughs> you just don't get it, do you? <laughs> I'm different now. Things have changed. I went to rehab, and you're like, oh, fuck, she's fucking seventeen, and then she, and then she's yeah. like, well, I moved on. 
to who? And then some guy walks out of the shower and he goes, hey, babe, are we going <laughs> to sup? And then he goes, I see. Uh, Have a nice life. And I'm just like, oh, you guys. Unrealistic. Don't pay taxes. Never. And uh, but Shallow I, scene. <laughs> but I was into it for a while. But again, and then we'll move on. The rec league. Um, you could shoot the, I guess why I was saying Friday Night Lights is, you like to watch the gameplay in the show. Yeah. So fucking, hey, man, there's a way where you could shoot the rec league stuff and not make it look just like it was, um, you know, a, a, a you know, B story scene in a movie to where you're just like passively watching it. Like, shoot the fuck out of it and like yeah. make it get some actual ballers in there. And like, I don't know. Right. I feel like I tried to get you in the. I've, I've, no one's ever tried to hire Adam Ray more. <laughs> Yet, I've never gotten to work true. with you, actually. Yeah. I, I tried to get you in Who the F is Mike Young yeah. because, yeah, we had, we had a rec league scene. Yeah. Saget was in it. Um, Connolly directed it. You know, it was fun. It was like a funny, it was a rec league moment where it was total Hollywood rec league, and one dude, Saget blamed a dude for stealing his idea for a show. Saget's like, well, I had the idea for Naked and Afraid. You added, you know, I had Naked, you added Afraid, you sold it. And they got into a battle on, oh in Men's God, League, which so is super funny. Hollywood. Yes. But, like, I would set it again in Hollywood and have a men's rec league show, and you just follow each person home, and you just run it ensemble right? style. And these you shows, pick your... people love these shows. You look at the menu, uh, you see that on each uh, on Apple TV? Yeah, I think yeah, it was yeah. A, this movie that follows White Lotus. These shows where it's, like, following... You know, an ensemble cast, yeah, a group that's intertwined, but like they've every episode, everyone's got their own shit. Everyone's uh, maybe Reckling is where it meets up, or uh, you know, Yo. there's a fairs, a fair city. Yo, so a fair it, city, great name for a show. Great name, won't be the Reckling show, but a fair city. <laughs> I think I was involved in that. It, <laughs> <laughs> Yo, so the, I mean, there's such characters, and you know them because you've been in a few men's leagues, rec leagues, and I've been in a bunch of them. But I remember what, like, when I first got to LA, there was a dude here who like ran like like adult entertainment. He was like like everybody was Hollywood actors, real actors, but then there was one dude who ran like porn. You know what I mean? Did he bring and, it up? No, but everyone's like, "Yo, that's the dude who's like the king of porn." You know, he's like the king of the business in LA. This guy, and he was like good ball player by the way, but like a shady, you know, he's shady, he's shady. He had porn vibes. He had porn vibes, but he was like in our league somehow. And What year was this? This was 2000. Okay, so we're looking oh, at one, oh, two, are maybe. We girls gone wild. Are we? Where are we in the porn? What's porn's big? I Internet's mean, like, not out. Ginger Lynn's retired. I I can't really name any porn stars to be honest. But Me like neither. this dude was made a fortune in porn. But I remember like. Me almost getting into a fight during a game and like the porn king like having respect for me because I didn't back down from like this one marine type dude, and he was like a brick house and he just he set like a really strong pick and I was still fresh out of Detroit so like my mentality was still shit talking. Oh yeah. And when he hit me with a pick, I was like, "Do that again, motherfucker!" Like that was that's the first thing that came out of my mouth, and I was like, "All right, I'm new to the town. Like I gotta calm down." I was like, "I overdid it. I overdid it." But I remember porn king. Was like, yeah, bro, you stand up for yourself in this game. He probably ain't getting in the porn business. There'll be a knock on your door if you try to come in. But there are real characters in that in that game. I was just gonna say he probably heard that's not porn energy. I think you getting combative over a a, a screen. Yeah, it wasn't. You got to be him. calm, cool, and collective. I would assume, and I've only seen one porn live. Brad Williams took me to see it. Brad, little person, we love him. Friend of the show, used to do the show. Brad took me 
to a friend of his. A friend. Of course. Little people know porn stars. Porn stars know little people. Google it. <laughs> he goes, uh, hey, do you want to come uh, visit my friend set on set? I go, yeah, what's she shooting? You know, come factory 16. I don't know. I'm improvising a title here. Probably a real title. So I go, yeah, for sure. It's in Chatsworth. I go, I'm actually going to a Passover Seder <laughs> about 30 minutes north of there. So it's on the way. We stop. I open. We knock on the door. It's in like these weird buildings where it's all like office doors. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, like, yeah, closed doors. Yeah, no sign on yeah, that. Yeah, no sign. We knock. Just numbers, but the numbers don't even match. Uh, it was, it'd be like four, five, 11, eight, nine. And so we knocked a guy in boxers opens, scratching his nuts. What's going on? He sees Brad. Hey, come on in. We go in. We see girls like icing their clits and, and other girls are crying. It was actually very sad. One girl was like, I just can't do it because I have to, and it burns, Mike, it burns. And he was just like, just do two more. Just don't, should you want him to wear, do you want him to wear a condom? I heard as I'm walking in. And by the way, also like texting my aunt, being like, I'll be a little late, save me some Google, <laughs> right? And so I'm here and it burns, it burns, just have them wear a condom as I'm being like, yeah, surely just, I just, I, I don't need, I eat gluten, so you don't have to put. One matzo ball, not two. One matzo ball, not two. We go into the little set and there's girls doing like webcam stuff and, and they were on a tarp and then like a floaty, a little pool, one of those little kid pool floaty things. Yeah. And one of them made the other one start squirting, and I'd never seen that live before. Oh, yeah. And I looked at Brad, and I was like, what do we do? Because we were just standing there. It was like a room this big, and there was the director and the girls, the director, the person who was taping it, the pervert that was <laughs> watching with a camera. And Don't tell him that, by the way. They think of themselves as real, real directors. Oh, this guy was probably like, you know, I told her when to squirt. And you're like, <laughs> okay. And so, I told her so, when. Uh, so Brad and I, no joke, I go, what do we do? And he's like, just smile. And then I literally started going like this, and Brad started doing it with me. A true yes, Ander. We just both started clapping. That's amazing. As she was just fountain of youthing over her friend. It's and, amazing that and, that's possible. Amazing. And so, um, the point of that story was the chutzpah on these fellas. You getting you know picky over a pick? Yeah. Probably didn't scream. That's my that's my next lead. Right. <laughs> the guy he I wasn't saw, even thinking about me. The guy I me. saw coming in post uh, squirt scene to just take on both the gals. <sighs> I mean, he was Adrian Grenier uh, from Entourage meets Clooney. Sprinkle a little Statham in there. Yeah. Little bit of medium dick Mike. Right. And dude, this guy was just superstar. Enjoying his life. Written all over his yeah. face and hers. That's your lead. Yeah, yeah that's your lead. Um, that's your lead. Speaking of writing movies, stealing jokes, your next venture. Next venture. Your how fifth movie? This is my fourth fourth movie that you fourth movie. wrote, directed, wrote and directed. Yeah, I wrote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, man, it's not like I've done so many, but it's either four or five. It's uh, Dude, it's dude my one movie's a lot. It's my fourth movie. It's my fourth movie that I've written and directed. How many people have written movies that are just sitting on their computer or in a stack somewhere? Fifty thousand at least. That you have. No, I'm saying 50,000 people. people minimum right here in this town yes. have stacks sitting on their desk. I've been very lucky. I don't take it for granted at all. I don't, you know, I don't have any other answer other than I've just tried to make funny, good little movies. I've, I've, only, I've only been in the indie world. I haven't broken out into, you know, studio, big time, whatever. 
I do just to see what it's like, yeah. but I kind of do dig the indie vibe. I like getting down and dirty. I like writing something great, knowing I could do it for a number. So I do like putting confines on myself yeah. in terms of like, you know, you don't, you've got, you got to play within this box. Yeah. So I do like that, but it'd be nice to go do, you know, go do a giant studio f comedy. Fuck yeah. You know, I harass random people at Netflix periodically. I'm like, yo, what do I need to like play Sandler in one-on-one -on -one rec league basketball? Maybe. How many can he do? Get me in the mix, bro. When you write something, is it entirely uh, you're committed to like this is going to be the next one I do? Or do you have to – what's the process with finishing one and then stepping back and going, all right, I want to put all my eggs in this as far as like calling in favors, putting it in front of people that will help me actually get it made. Um, is there – like you yeah. obviously love everything you're writing, but there has to be a point where – you finish it and you maybe go, I don't know, you're either talking yourself out of why you shouldn't make it or something else comes along. You get a better idea right after and you go, all right, I'll shelf that one and start this one and that'll be the one. I think it has to do with which one I'm just like feeling the most passionate about. Like when I wrote, you know, say when I wrote, when I wrote My Man is a Loser, right? Lionsgate picked it up. That was my first film. That was some guys coming to me with money saying, we want to make a movie. And I had had this idea for like a single guy helping his married guys that I was just dying to write. And they had a different idea, but I convinced them to let me write this and see what they thought. I wrote it, had passion for it. They loved it when I wrote it. And then they let me direct it. You know, I had never directed before. I didn't go to film school. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'd never directed before. They let me direct it. And after that, it was successful in its own right. And then it was kind of just what you said. It's like then I had another idea for what, what became a stand-up guy. And I was I write it, and I'm like, I have to make this somehow. Like, I... I and this is, I will never, this will never happen. But, but like in my mind, I'm like, I'll rob a bank to get the money. Like I so want to make a movie that I write because it just kind of like gnaws at me if I'm yeah. just, if I just write it and then I'm trying to pitch it or I'm trying to sell it. It's like, it's like so hard to sell something. So my mentality has always been like, write something that I love that I think is really good and raise the money and shop, you know, shop around for the people I know that could help finance it and get it made. Because I just kind of took a note from like even like the old Vince Vaughn would always say like, if I didn't raise the money for swingers, I'd be auditioning for twenty years. Like, you you know, he just is that the story with that? Yeah, like Vince Vaughn will tell you like he would have never worked if him and Favreau didn't like get the money together on their own for swingers. And so I just look at it like there's no rules to the game. You write something dope that you love. Go scrape some money together and just make it. It's all money. I mean, it is all money, but to, it's to get things. I mean, it to just, get that made, the the yeah, to... it, it costs money, but it sometimes doesn't cost the money you think it does. Mm. It's like you get your crew together, and it's like even you're probably you probably know you know the guys from like Sunny in Philadelphia, right? Oh yeah, they went and shot a pilot for what forty grand, thirty grand, fifty grand. What they had in the in the in the can was so funny and so dope that it was easy to get the rest of the money. Undeniable. Right, so you gotta just make something that you love enough to show someone who goes, oh my God, let's put the rest of the money in it. Yeah. So I always, I don't believe in like any regular rules. I haven't lived by the rules. If I did, I'd never work. Like I've never been a rule guy my whole life anyway. Growing up in Detroit. Growing up in Detroit. you were like what? You'd, you'd uh, rebel? Well, just or? a rebellious kid. Just, you know, just kind of didn't, my dad was in scrap metal. He All he had was like a, he just made a living off just, he had a dump truck, you know what I mean? And so he just sold scrap metal up and down 8 Mile. And so from that, I always saw, like, there's no rules of the game. Be a good person, get along with people, handshake deals, and just 
just kind of go through life. He taught you that? He did. He was yeah. just like, yo, your word is all you have. Make something really good and, you know, and <clears throat> there's no rules in terms of how to get it done. So your interest in the business started young, yeah? Yeah, I was I, I was like glued on the television, yeah. glued to sitcoms, watching like, yo, as a kid watching like Norman Lear shows, thinking I could guess the dialogue. Oh, I was always wow. a dialogue guy. So I always loved, and I always had a ton of characters around me. Like my friends were characters. They were never like just regular normal people. You know, like one's a degenerate, one's yeah. a Middle Eastern drug dealer. You were dealer. living a sitcom. I was living in like a what but, I thought was a sitcom. But also your fascination uh, or affection for TV at that time, to see like... I think that probably contributed to to you picking up on like, oh, I have my own version of this character right here. Just seeing people as characters. Totally. Which I, is actually a very, without probably recognizing it, healthy way just to, and easier for you to uh, lower your judgment, I think, on humans walking around. If you can understand oh, absolutely. like, you know, I used to do that in high school at the time. Uh, and then as I got older, I was like, oh, this guy that I'm meeting reminds me of this guy. And that guy I knew well enough or knew of in high school knew what he was going through that i'm kind of attaching the same characteristics to this guy totally maybe they're not both coming from a broken home but like he he's doing what this guy did and i'm going to give him benefit of the doubt and that's yeah either, that's just going to you know make me uh enjoy this party a little better you know i would always read books on like i would read some writing books right and a lot one of the exercises i used to do which sounds ridiculous like mike you didn't do this but i would like sit on a bench like down in Venice or wherever, whatever beach, and people would walk by, and I'd write like a paragraph of what I thought this person was. Like I would just write like a, a little bio on random characters. So I would have a book of like a bunch of characters in my notebook. And so if I wasn't drawn from real life characters that I knew, I'd go sometimes into the notebook and go, oh, remember this one dude who walked super straight up, who was probably a Marine, who probably gotten, you know, had a drinking, pro you know, I would just like, I would collect characters. And so I took the writing part of it all really seriously. And look, man, I'm not the greatest writer, but I just, I put the work in. I love, like, I love writing. I love getting someone's voice down, like who's they, the core of someone and just living in their shoes for however long. So before I write anything, I know who my characters are, right? And then you know when you put them in a situation, you know kind of what they're going to say. Backstory is key. Right. Backstory is key. Having, I, you know, an understanding of at least you need how much would you say like when you're writing, by the way, creating your own trading cards, comic books, whatever, by yeah. having all these people. It's like, you know, <laughs> there could have been a world where, you know, medium Dick Mike is trading baseball cards, <laughs> you know, on the streets of uh, of eight mile. And they're like, I'll give you a Frank Thomas and a and a, and a Cal Ripken Jr. for uh, for uh, Mike. What do you got? I got a Darren who works at my uh, dad's scrap shop, <laughs> totally. and uh, here's his, you know, stats. You know, two DUIs. You know, you know, six selling pairs of weed shoes. illegally while it's legal. <laughs> yeah, I got all those. But characters. how much do you need to flush out a character? Let's say, to 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 give an actor maybe um, uh, a chance to really dive in. Like, could you give him just a beat sheet, or are you giving him a, a six peg no diatribe? I'll, I'll give an actor. I'll give an actor like a couple paragraphs on the, on the character. And even in the exposition of the script, I'll try to write some key sentences that kind of give them something to lock in on. Yeah. But I won't do like a five page bio on anybody and give it to the actor. Like let the actor bring some stuff, you know, no actor, maybe some want like a, a big time background on them, but yeah. like I, I'll give you enough to know who this person is, where they come from, how they talk, what their cadence is, why they talk the way they talk. You know, I try to give them a little bit, but you know, I just, 
I don't know, man. I just want to get things made. Bro, I also come from a Jewish family like you, so I'm a neurotic person. <laughs> I'm always like, I could be dead tomorrow. I got to get this movie made. Bro, like, that's unfortunately how I see the world sometimes. And, like, you know, I had tra a lot of tragedy as a young person, like a lot of death around me, really? believe it or not. Like, as a kid, like, my dad died young. My aunt and uncle died young. Like, everyone was dying in my family. So I was like, oh, shit, I, I got a minute. I got to get all the shit done. I was and just going to say, what does that do to you? And that's what it, it did makes you. you hustle so hard because you think you know, tomorrow's not guaranteed. And that's like a, a shitty way to do some product. Because sometimes I'm like, oh, I should have taken more time on that project. You know what I mean? I'm still alive. <laughs> but, but it gives you a <laughs> little bit of a, yeah. it gives you a little more of a burning fire in you. Wow, and dude. It gives you a little more fire if you think like that. And I don't think that's a great way to think all the time because... You know, some people could take a long time on a project and they're cool with it, but everyone's always like, patience is a virtue. I'm like, nah, fuck that. Hurry up is a virtue. Why can't hurry up be it? Why is patience always got to be the virtue? Wow. Why can't hurry up? Let's, let's get it going. When did patience get the headlining uh, How did patience spot? get the top spot? Yeah. Who did that? Hurry up is Nietzsche? a virtue. Who is yeah. that? Be proactive is a virtue. Proactive. Hustle. Hustle hard. Plus, I didn't really know anybody in this business when I got here, so I was like, I only had a couple of years like before I was going to run out of money and have to go home anyway. So, so you, I was like, you moved here after high school or what? After, after college. Yeah. College was. Yeah. Arizona. Yeah. I went to U of A, moved in with my girl from Chicago. Yeah. I did like a two years in Chicago, a year in Detroit, not knowing I was going to come out here. So I was kind of late to, I was actually later to the stand up game than most of my friends. Like I came up with Sebastian, Brett, Bobby yeah. Lee. Yeah. Those guys were five years in the game when I got here. So I was like a late bloomer in stand-up, but I'd always been kind of writing, see, you know, in, in the background, just writing anyway. Like, I came out here with scripts ready to go. From Arizona that you were writing? Or yeah. Chicago? Or Were you writing in college? Yeah, I was, I was writing short stories in college. I was in a creative writing class that really sparked my love of writing. Wow. And Terry McMillan, like the famous, you know, author, was went to my school. And oh, I had shit. this professor, and... Yeah, man, I'd say the one time I realized I could write, because you don't know if you can write or you just write what you feel. You don't know if people are going to dig it. But I was in one of those like high-end nerd classes where I just, you know, everyone's going around, what's your favorite movie? And mine's Rocky. Everybody else is like, The Bicycle Thief, this, that. And I'm like, Rocky won. Everyone laughed at me. But then when we turned in our stories, there was just like this moment in class where everyone turned in their story and then Monday came and I'm thinking, well, my story is going to be like 19th out of 25 kids that they dig. But the teacher came in and was like, this is the story we're all going to follow. And it was my story. And it was the story that I wrote high in the library, by the way. I was stoned. I wrote it in the library in like three hours. But it let me know that I had like a knack for dialogue and a knack for kind of story. And I was like, yeah, you fucking nerds. Watch The Bicycle Thief all you want. <laughs> Great movie, by the way, but like, don't laugh at me because of Rocky. And by the way, if we're talking bike movies, E.T. is where I would start. Exactly. So fucking, I don't know what this thief stole if he was stealing bikes or just stealing sandwiches on a bike. Either way, Either I'm way. out. Seacrest, out. Yeah, out. See the Fablemans? <laughs> your Jewish... Uh, your, uh, My Jewish neurosis... It well, hel has helped in my writing. Life. It's also helped in your personal life. The way you bonded with my mom in a hallway so quick. Yeah. By the way, moms, Jewish moms in hallways is the new comedians in cars getting coffee. Yo, <laughs> <laughs> Jewish moms in hallways. 
It's true, man. Like I saw your mom and immediately it's like, you know, I felt it. I, I could feel it's good mom, good kid. Yeah. You're a good dude, man. Thanks, you know what man. I mean? I, I have a good Jewish mom also. Yeah. I come from probably like a, we're like a rougher batch of Jews. We're like scrap metal. My grandpa owned the Purple Pussycat Bar in Detroit. You know what I mean? One was a butcher. Like we didn't get the, we're not all lawyers and doctors on yeah. my side or accountants. Yeah. You know what I mean, we got like one lawyer, maybe two lawyers. <laughs> You know, and then there was a couple of bar owners and scrap metal. Did they all want you to do that then? Because it's also, when you're coming from a blue-collar city, also, I mean, obviously, Tim Allen is a Detroit guy I think of. Now we got, you know, Sam Richardson with you too, right? And, and um, yeah. And uh, um, what's his name? Tim Robinson. But, like, yeah. true, but entertainment-wise, and there probably is way more, right? But, but as far as, I don't know, comedians, actors go, it, I would say most kids growing up in Detroit don't have a connection to the business, right? Right. So when you came out here uh, after AZ in Chicago, you're no, you know that you're going to write a lot. You know that you're going to what? Like go to clubs. I got a job as an as a uh, as a PA on CBS's lot on like the Roseanne show. I was a PA for those for Carsey Warner. So every day I'll go be a PA, but I was on like the production end of PA. I was like print up scripts, get everyone coffee, get yeah. bring water to the thing. Yeah. I wasn't like in a, in the real mix. People I wasn't, forget someone's doing that. These stars aren't yeah. getting their own fucking coffee. Yeah, I was delivering scripts out in the street. You That's, think John Goodman is getting his own fucking popcorn? Never, I was. <laughs> uh, he remembers me, popcorn Mike. <laughs> you remember caramel corn Tuesdays. John Goodman does strike me as a guy who labels people. He goes, I'm going to remember your name, but I remember your name by the food you've given me. Yeah. And, and by the way, I can hear some of you right now being like, who was that? I never said <laughs> I could do a Goodman. You could do a lot. Maybe your Goodman didn't kill it, but like you could do a lot, Adam Ray. More than I thought, bro. You are a man of many, many voices. Many voices. Maybe your Goodman didn't. Hey, look, there's going to be a lot of people writing in. You're yeah. probably losing subscribers as we speak. Um, Bottom line was that every night I went home, I would work on a script. So I just would work all day there, and then I'd come home and I'd write like a movie that I was like, didn't know what would it would be, but I would be working on a script and in my mind thinking one day I'm going to get this movie made because this is how it goes. You just write a movie and it, you know you don't even know. I didn't know anything. You weren't reading like I was reading sitcoms like during the day. I'd get their scripts at Roseanne. I'd be reading them and smart. in my mind I'm like. Could you guys hire me as a writer? I'm like, I'll, I'll write on the show. And they're oh like, my. it doesn't work like that, Mike. It's, it's going to take kind, you. It kind of does and it kind of doesn't. Yeah. There I is mean, no rule book for this. There is pay your dues. I think that's uh, true in any job. Yeah. But I don't know, man. Like, who's to say one guy couldn't have been like, all right, hotshot, write a script for me tonight. And then if it yeah. was good, you fucking get hired. If it sucks, you know, you give Goodman more popcorn. Totally. And I was willing to go either way. <laughs> I just wanted a shot. And it's funny because I had a script written for myself. Like, I had my own sitcom when I got here. It was in my bag. Smart, by the way. Had Got a manager, went and did the Montreal Comedy Festival New Faces, right? This is hilarious. I end up getting, like, this is the year Orny Adams is doing it, right? And everyone at the festival is like, he's the guy, he's the guy, he's the guy. I ended up getting a deal with Warner Brothers after, like, my six-minute set, right? I don't even know what a deal is. I got 1100 in the bank left over. I get a deal. My manager at the time is like, you got a deal. They're offering you this. I'm like, what does that mean? He's like, you know, you could quit your job at the PA if you want. I'm like, well, just let me know if I could quit and let me know if I could tell my mom that I'm really getting actual money from these people. Long story short, I get my first meeting with Warner Brothers. I don't tell my manager that in my backpack, I've got, like, five copies of my script that I think is my show. 
I don't know about development deals, bro. I don't even know what it is. I get in the <laughs> meeting and the, and the executives are like, Mike, do you have any ideas for yourself? I'm like, funny you should ask. I unzip my backpack, bro, and I pass out fucking five scripts of my sitcom in the Warner Brothers meeting. And they're like, thank you. Uh, that's great. And my manager looks at me like, if you ever do some shit like that again when I'm with you, I'll never, I'll never talk to you again. Why? I have no idea, but like, I just did it. I just was like, yeah, here's my sitcom because you don't know the layers. I didn't know like the layers of it. They got writers under deals that are going to meet you and they're going to write for you. But meanwhile, every time I connected with a writer, I kind of thought I could write my own thing better. And it just took a long time to show that. That uh, maybe the business is different now, but like then when I pulled out my script, man, also they asked you were ready. See, that's a weird thing where they were probably like, and you know, I, I somewhat get it. Like, what do you got? We're, we're all ears. We, we're all ears. We brought, we brought you in because we're interested in the Mike Young business. Yeah. Like, here's the business thing. Yeah. Whoa. whoa, whoa. What are you prepared? Exactly. (laughs) What we were asking is like a courtesy, follow up, circle back, email us. 100%. 100%. We won't respond. Chase us down. Go audition for six shows that you have nothing to do with, like that you'll never get you'll never get the audition on. Wow. Which I did. I auditioned for like everything and I was like, why are they even sending me on these things? Like oh, really? what did yeah. they sign me I up know. for if I'm going out for this stuff? But that being said, it was nice because I I was able to finally put a little money in the bank, quit my regular job and, you That's know, a big never look back. And have time to actually like make the uh this the plan a right exactly. and not have and is were you always like a sociable guy like did you immerse yourself in the la scene as far as or were you just like you know hermiting at home writing scripts and then no always sociable and jumped right in let's so i jumped into the comedy store and then i jumped into men's rec league those two things basically made my whole rela- every connection i've made is from basketball hockey or the comedy store. And so I was every Sunday at the comedy store till I became a regular, but simultaneously I actively sought out a basketball league and a hockey league. And so I you know I told you my basketball league was, you know, t- box office hits, you know what I mean? Like I walked into give me a league. One, give me one game if you can. Like yeah, I mean, walk the, in gym, walk in gym, DiCaprio Toby Maguire pre Spider Man, Kevin Connolly pre Entourage, Cassavetes pre The Notebook, my boy Chuck, who ran the newsstand, you know what I mean, on Sunset, who grew up with all these guys, so he's the one that brought me into it. But like I walked into a game, they were all work, like, you know, Leo and Toby were working, they were working actors, but like they weren't blown up yet crazy. And I walked in, and my boy, who just ran the newsstand, but would come randomly to the comedy store, we were friends, and he was like, yo, bro, you wanna play on our team? I didn't know who the team was, I swear to God. And they brought me to the team, and you know, I could, I could ball 18, 19 years ago. I was much faster. It's over now. I got a hip flexor that won't go away. But I could ball. And so they kept me on the team, and then it was like my whole social life changed. You know what I mean? It was like game over. It was like my social. This was how many years into being this is, in LA? This is like two years. Wow. Two, I, I, yeah, two, three years tops. It's about that I two. Think to three year window where people, at least in my experience, have been like, it ain't happening. And they move back or they get discouraged or they move to the Valley or they move to the OC and try to fucking find Misha Barton and, and act out season two or four, whichever one's better in your opinion. And they uh, and they just kind of go, all right, it's, you know, I gave it a shot. Yeah. So to have that happen that early on is crazy. But again, you put yourself in that position you know, patience is a virtue. You are active. Yeah. Um, but also, when you're coming into this game, 
are you? I guess I also want. I was it, nervous. Yeah. I was like awestruck because I recognized the dudes, and I was like still kind of starstruck, but like. I, I, I don't know it, it definitely even for like a year into it I was still like and they were already in like inviting me to fun stuff and like hanging they're like yo the young yeah from the get-go pretty much they were just like yo young come to the house we're having a party and like all of a sudden I'm in the mix but I can't pretend that I'm still not a dude from Detroit not accustomed to like being around celebrities and all this you know like star dudes yeah your celebrity encounters back in Detroit were what? Tommy Hearns yeah. six-time world champion down the street yeah, yeah that's fine you know what I mean? Yeah. Gangster that owns massage parlors on 8 Mile. Sure. Celebrity in the neighborhood. Yes. You know what I mean? My boy Brad, who owned all the best baseball cards in the area. <laughs> Top celebrity in the neighborhood. <laughs> Had all the best parties. But we but, got Spider-Man. But now we're going into Jack. like some superhero yeah. shit, and I'm fully immersed in it, and I'm just like grateful, yet still calling all the fellas back in Detroit going, you're not going to believe where I'm going tonight. And it was just super cool. And so I can't pretend that that wasn't like a great thing for me because they opened doors for me. And they, more than anything, kind of just taught me that there are no real rules and that, you know, they just kind of taught me the way to just move in the, in, you, know, you could just move in different crowds and just how to, just how to move in, in Hollywood. I was, so, was going to ask because you met these guys when they were all, like you said, pre like popping off pre-pop uh so you got to see the evolution right oh my god i don't god. know how much you're still kicking it on a consistent basis everyone gets a little older and gets more busy but like yeah but as you went through uh from that point up until whenever like did you uh how much did you observe from afar as far as like all right cool i'm seeing in just the way they do things and the way they're maybe staying out of the limelight or the way yeah. that they're choosing projects um versus did yeah. they so I want to know how much of that you picked up on. And then did they also ever just pull you aside and Leo go, hey, like p bit of advice yeah. like, from my experience, like because I know that you're in this. Yeah. If this ever happens or would you ask them like I would just kind of learn by example, like Leo was always about quality of projects. So I kind of took a mental note on that. There I was like, go. this dude has a stack of scripts at his house that his manager would come over and sit there and be like, these are the five best things we've read. These are for you to read. And he would read them. And then I would see whatever movie he was doing. I would see how serious he was. Like, I remember when he, you know, when he did even like the Howard Hughes movie, Aviator, there'd be like seven Howard Hughes books on the thing and that he would like read and like study Howard Hughes. So I was like, okay, these dudes, this is not a mistake. These dudes are about their business. And so I got to make sure in my comedy lane, I am about my business. And so every night, no matter what, I was at the comedy store, I was hitting open mics and I didn't go out and party and hang out with them until I made sure I handled my stuff. Cause I never wanted to be just a dude that hung around. Yeah. I wanted to be the guy. Cause I was kind of their only comedian buddy in that mix actors directors it was writers but like i was like the comedian but i hadn't done anything really but i was dedicated because i was just always like i'm not gonna just be a guy that hangs on and doesn't try to like be my own man right and so they saw that and then they respected that and just like invited me to all the cool fun shit and you know even, you know, Toby and I sold a couple shows together. Like, you know, a few years into our friendship, he's like, I think you got a show. You know, I think you got a sitcom in you with your, you know, with, with your life from Detroit and this and that. He's like, let's talk about developing something. Wow. So I went, you know, nose to the grindstone, wrote some stuff, got it to him. He's like, this is okay. <laughs> it's not my level yet. We're going to bring in Gary Ross, the greatest writer to ever live on earth. You know, that's how he thought. Like, Toby's such a 
smart dude mm-hmm. that he like he thinks like let's get the best possible thing out of this so he was cool enough to believe in me and we sold like two or three projects together but n- none of them got made like they didn't get we, you know we sold to hbo we sold to abc yeah. you know hbo went a different way with certain things that were similar in our lane but it was just like I just never wanted to be just an entourage member. I right. wanted to make sure I was funny yeah. and I took care of my business and that was it. I wasn't I wasn't willing to just be, you know, hanging on. Hey guys, Adam Ray here. Are you hungry? Are you thinking about food? Are you thinking about your next meal? Do you hate going to the grocery store? Me too. Well, HelloFresh is here to make your life easier. The number one meal kit in America is HelloFresh. And now they're sponsoring the About Last Night podcast. Oh, baby, I can't wait. HelloFresh, what do you get with them? Well, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to you at your doorstep. Skip all the trips to the store. You know it's stressful. It's weird. Sometimes you go late night and you see people you forgot we have on this planet with rat tails and missing teeth and they got potato salad in their pan. It's just, it's too much. So count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. Summer's just around the corner, and we all want to spend less time cooking. So, meal plan and prep with HelloFresh pre-portioned ingredients that make it easy to get cooking done quick. No matter what your lifestyle, you'll always find delicious recipes on the HelloFresh menu, like pescatarian and veggie. You can even swap proteins and sides to make a recipe just how you, yes, you, like it. I'm always struggling to figure out what I'm going to have for dinner, and I want to make sure it's healthy. Well, HelloFresh is on top of that for you, and they're going to deliver mouth-watering, chef-crafted recipes and fresh ingredients to your door so you can do whatever you want this summer and eat the right way. They've got snacks, meals, and more to add to your weekly order, even like fun s'mores bundles for the kids. Who doesn't like s'mores? S'more what? From Sandlot, remember? They've also got a selection of crowd-pleasing eats like their bratwurst bar with caramelized onions, Dijon slaw, and pineapple relish. Oh my God, I'm getting hungry. Or a snack board with pretzel bites, spiced bar nuts, and hot honey peach jam. That's what she said. I've used HelloFresh in the past. I'm about to use it again. I love it. My wife loves it. We're about to eat better and the right way, putting stuff on our body that should go in there, not just jelly beans for dinner. So if you want to be part of the number one meal kit in America, I, right now, if I were you, would go to HelloFresh.com slash about16 and use the promo code about16 for 16 free meals plus free shipping. Holy shit. Go to HelloFresh.com. I can't even say it. I'm so excited. HelloFresh.com slash about16 and use promo code about 16 for 16 free meals plus free shipping it sounds like it's too good to be true but it's not so do it again hellofresh.com slash about 16 promo code about 16 for 16 free meals plus free shipping start treating yourself and eating yourself eating wait eating treating start just do it and now let's get back to the episode Hey guys, Adam Ray here for the About Last Night podcast. Hope you're enjoying the episode, and it's cookie time. Attention, all cookie lovers, including me. Love cookies. Cookies are my weakness. I've said it before, and I'm saying it again right now. I know you crave the sweet taste of freshly baked cookies. Just saying that makes me foam at the mouth. Say it again with me. Freshly baked cookies dipped in milk or eaten by themselves. Well, look. 
my friends at Twin Life Baking Company have you covered in cookies. <laughs> With cookies, you can cover yourself in cookies. It's your life. Made from the finest ingredients and baked to perfection. They've got flavors like Red Velvet Stuffed Nutella, Vanilla Cookie Monster, Rocky Road, S'more, Strawberry Short Stack, Birthday, Funfetti, Chocolate Bomb, Snickerdoodle, Pumpkin Snickerdoodle, Classic Chocolate Chip, Cinnamon Toast Crunch, Cowboy Cookie, Cookies and Cream, Lemon Delights, and guess what? My very own cookie. That's right. The Adam Ray Pop-Tart. Little bits of brown sugar pop tart on a cinnamon snicker. It's a chocolate. It's just trust me, all right? It's the greatest cookie I've ever had. I get emotional thinking about it. If you're listening to this, you're probably a person with great taste buds and you love great cookies and you want to celebrate two badass moms. So right now, go to twinlifebakingcompany.com and use promo code about last night to save 20% off your order. That's twinlifebakingcompany.com, promo code about last night to save 20% off your order. What time is it? Cookie time. Now let's get back to the episode. How much of all of that, um, just taking us up to present time, stealing jokes, your fourth movie, when you, uh, it's based in the world of stand-up comedy. Yes, stealing jokes. So stealing jokes, I mean, I'll tell you, I always had the idea that comedians got treated like shit, but did God's work. I always thought to myself, we're doing like the best thing on the planet for people in terms of like lifting moods, making you feel better, Fuck yeah. changing your life. I'm sure but you get yet, messages all the time telling you just that, where you're just like, Jesus Christ, I can't believe like what that this 20 minute set or hour on the road, whatever it is. And sometimes you read this message, right? And you're just like, yeah, you just you forget how many stories are sitting out there in the audience that are getting truly affected by it. Exactly. And so I was like, but for all that, yeah. we'll get a club owner that cuts our money. We'll get somebody that like thinks they're doing us a favor by giving us a free spot at their thing. Yeah. So in my mind, I was always like, I want to rob a comedy club. <laughs> and I, obviously I would never rob a comedy. But in my mind, I'm like, this would be a great idea of comedians that go on the road and they get revenge after getting stiffed at a comedy club. <laughs> and this is my Ocean's Eleven for comedians. So that was like stirring in my mind. for. That's like, a great premise right there. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So, so that was like in my mind for like a couple years, right? And so... It was like two years stewing around. So I'm like, I'm going to write this one day. I'm going to, I got to figure out like what it is. Do they go on tour? And so finally, after I did a stand-up guy, I sat down to write Stealing Jokes. And I wrote it and I, you know, wrote, took a few months, you know, four or five months, whatever it was to write it, get it in shape where I felt like it was good enough for people to see. And that was it. I sent, I gave it to like this producer in LA that I knew and right away he's like, I love this. I love the concept. But he was like talking about no money. He's like, I'll give you this and we'll make it. And so if you want to know, if you want, you know, if you got a minute, I'll yeah. tell you like how it kind of got made. Please. So I knew the concept was dope. I knew every comedian would have our back on this, right? Like I knew everybody's had the same feeling of getting stiffed for what we do. Oh, yeah. And so this was kind of my tribute to that. So the producer I was going down the line with in L.A., he was just like doing all kinds of shady shit, trying to give me low money. And I'm like, forget it. And so I called, I called Dan Gilbert and you're going to go, how do you know Dan Gilbert? Dan Gilbert, who owns the Cavs and Quicken Loans, he financed the first thing I ever wrote called Adam starring Jeff Daniels and Aaron Paul. So we became good friends from that. That's a whole nother story. But like I wrote this movie that I thought was going to be what, you know, something huge. 
We ended up going through some trials and tribulations, but I wrote it. It got made. It's out now. It's called Adam. And Amazing. It stars Adam. Yeah, it stars Aaron Paul. Couple and, of hitters. Couple of hitters. Wow. And Jeff Daniels and Tom Berenger and Lena Owen. The, Let's go. Yeah. It, 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 the, the cast is off the chart. So Dan and I become friends. We stay in touch over the years. We just stay in touch. He's a great dude. And so when Stealing Jokes was going down this path I wasn't digging, I called him. I texted him. I was like, not sure if you still want to do entertainment stuff in Detroit, but I have this idea of comedians, Ocean's Eleven for stand-ups. If you're into it, let me know. He goes, send it over. I send it to him. I think nothing of it. And Adam, I swear to God, two weeks go by. I hear nothing, so I just forget about him. Like, he's not going to call me. Yeah. He's busy running the world. Yeah. And one day, like two and a half weeks later, I get a text message. And the text says, and it's just like a business text. It's like, I'll give you the finances for the movie. I want 50% back. We're going to go back end, you know, back end points are this. Lawyer's going to call you on Monday. Uh, you know, we're, you know co-ownership. Anything that you have to give up point-wise comes out of your end. Like in a text. So I'm thinking that he thinks I'm somebody else. I'm thinking he thinks Hilarious. that I'm someone else. Like it's he's just... Me. There's no way that this text is coming and yeah. it's, it's all going down from a text. What other medium dick mic does he have in his phone? There can't be another MMM, MDM. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can't. There can't be uh, another uh, one. Uh, uh. Sure enough, Monday comes. His lawyer calls. I put him in, and his lawyer's like, hi, Mike. This is uh, Jeffrey Morganroth, uh, Dan Gilbert's lawyer. We're going to make a deal for stealing jokes. And I was like, wow. And I gave him my lawyer's info and they made a deal. And right then and there, it just got started to go to get, you know, money in the bank. Let's make a movie. Holy and shit. we made the movie. And it was, listen, man, all movies are hard to make. Yeah. So we had a whole situation where COVID shut us down with my first. I had different cast in the first one. You know, I had Josh Sagara from She-Hulk and from a couple other things. And then we got shut down for COVID. We had to shut down for five months. When I came back, everyone's schedule was a mess. I couldn't afford Adam Ray. He was on a TV show. And I was roller skating around Chippendales. Yeah, for sure. Shirtless like you wanted to be. No, no. no. Unafraid they kept of it on me. <laughs> and so I recasted the movie, and boom, we came out with what I think is a really fun, funny movie. Well, you sent me uh, the... Um I guess the uh, the reel. The I sent sizzle. you a reel, which yeah. is like you have five reels in a movie, and I sent you twenty minutes of it. It's awesome. My Thank first you. thought uh, was how good it looked, and then as it starts to get into it, I go, "Oh man, you just it." And you know, because I read it, so it was just capturing so much of that, and it, it just felt also like if you've watched any of Mike's movies, uh, stand up guy, my man is a loser. Adam. Adam. And this. And this. The. Uh, it also anything in the stand-up world. I'm immediately like, oh, I, I, uh, I'm intrigued by, it. and and you know, the, watching with a comics eye, and um, it just was shot great, man. Everybody was popping on screen. Yeah, and I just immediately was invested in wanting to see the whole thing. Great. Um, so I can't wait for it to come out. I know Thanks. you're deep in editing right now, right? Deep in editing. I should be picture locked in like the next two weeks. You know. It, it, it is hard, bro. It is. Making a movie is freaking hard. It just is. And it's like, I'm so beat up. Like, I'm beat up. You, you need, like, mean? time to, like, decompress after? Yeah, and I haven't decompressed yet because we're still editing. But, like, I will decompress at some point. But I'm really happy with how it's looking. And it came out, you know, I th everyone's funny. Everyone did a really good job. Totally. That was the thing. There were a lot of jokes. And, again, the dialogue, too. Like, the scenes are punchy. Yeah. And, uh... I guess in any comedy, especially when in, in the stand-up uh, atmosphere, like 
I was like, man, I hope I fucking laugh watching this reel. And I did a bunch. So. You know, it's funny because it's about a serious thing where they rob places. Yeah. And it's, you had to, I had to find the tone so oh, that yeah. it wasn't like too broad. Oh, yeah. So hopefully you get some laughs and you feel for the characters. And obviously there's always moments you're like, damn, I wish I did that better. Damn, I wish totally. I had it. That's anything, though. I creatively. beat myself up tremendously. You can't. And But I really am happy with this one. And I hope people dig it. And, it'll, you know, it'll be out when it's out. But yeah, stealing jokes was. I got it made, and now I'm already thinking like, what's next? I, well, I'll tell you what's next. Our fucking rec league uh, show or bro, movie. Bro, don't threaten me with an hour. I'm a not week at all. Work. I think it's all kismet. The way that we're uh, sizing up to enjoy the Super Bowl weekend, um, and then this, and just the way we've been chatting, and not, and getting close to jamming with you on your movie. I feel like it's just, and also it's how many conversations do we need to have uh, organically, right? Where we just flesh something out, where it's like that's that wasn't even like. A proper sit-down brainstorm sesh, and it's happening anyway. We will do that, Adam, for sure. Because I've been a fan of you, bro, since I met you. You're a funny I ass. Think we're in the same lane as dude. far as like, you know. No, I know. I see how you deflect the compliment. It's okay. You know what I mean? It's okay. But you are a talented dude <laughs> who's on his way anyway. So like, I better be able to afford you on the next one. And if your agent tries to hustle me, we're gonna have a problem. You know what I mean? Like, I don't play that shit anymore uh, with friends. Uh, you know, like we got to do something together. We will. All right, we're gonna close this out with a uh, inside the actor studio ten questionnaire. I'm playing Lipton. We're trying to get Mike to know Mike Young a little bit better. Uh, R.I.P. to Lipton. You no doubt would have been on the show. So we're gonna close this out uh, with Lipton uh, getting to know uh, Mike Young here on the About Last Night podcast. <clears throat> I'm here with Mike Young. Mike, what is your favorite word? Love. What is your least favorite word? Shit. What turns you on? Story. What turns you off? Writer's block. <laughs> what is your favorite curse word? Motherfucker. Well, use it in a sentence, please. This motherfucker would not shut up. What sound or noise do you love? <laughs> that might not even be true. That might have annoyed me, but I needed a more another second to think about that noise. My brother would do that to me, and it'd be an instant fist fight. I don't know what sound. What sound do I love? Ocean. <laughs> there it is. The ocean. Billy? Not Billy, oh. but he's great, too. He's the number two ocean. How many times do you think Billy Ocean goes, I'm going to go down to the ocean? And they go, <laughs> we're nowhere near the beach. And he goes, <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. Carry a big queen. Get out of my dreams. Get into my car. Come on. A little, pu little pushy. Right back to the car. <laughs> what is uh, What sound or noise do you hate? What sound or noise do I hate? Mm, mm. Screaming. Yeah. It's never I like good. A scream. Yeah. I like a scream. It's never good, by the way. No. Even I'll sometimes do it on the phone where it's just like, oh, fuck! Yeah. And they're like, what happened? I'm like, <laughs> sorry, starting, yeah. starting in January, Chipotle's closing at four on Saturdays. Right. All protein, no more. <laughs> you know, the unnecessary freak out. But a scream... Anyway, you slice it. Don't love a scream. What about the movie? Like the movie. I think I think it was was our cat in Scream? Yeah. Yeah. Crushed it. Crushed Courtney it. Courtney Cox's uh, love interest. Yeah. Some would say that's where they met. They probably did meet there. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? What profession other than my own? Wow, man. I mean, obviously pro hockey player, but that's can it be a profession I had no shot at? Yes. Yeah, hockey. What uh, or brain surgeon? For real? Yeah, I had a fascination with the brain. I'd read weird books like, like uh, 
you know, the brain that changes itself, the stroke of insight. I like, yeah, the brain, man. Uh, Fascinating. You, do you have good, like, hand-eye coordination, I guess, with... Very good. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to brag, but solid hand. Very good. But, but uh, Boxed in the amateurs, go ahead and text natural. Any girl from uh, between 1994 and You know what I mean? They think I'm on their shoulder. They have no idea I'm touching their leg. My hand-eye coordination is next level. <laughs> uh if uh, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when uh, when um, when you arrive at the pearly gates? Good job, man! Like you didn't do great, great, but like good job. You, you did life pretty good. I love the God's throwing you. Didn't do great, great. Like like I mean, you know, like it wasn't Tony the Tiger, but because I know I'm Crunch. being realistic. Like I did good. You did good. Good job. You love people. You were nice. You know you're rebellious years only lasted five years of rebellion you're only an asshole for five years of your life teen years you know what i mean but good job mike you did a good job lipton great answer look at you bro great, yeah. is this how you close out everyone <laughs> yeah it's beautiful dude mcconaughey did it fucking um you know beautiful uh mike young on ig and twitter the real mike young yeah that's right the real mike young on ig yep Stealing jokes, we'll uh, we'll we'll put up. Uh, well, you'll come back for that, but but we'll add when this um, uh, comes out. Maybe there's a premiere date. Oh, we will, that. yes, we will have a premiere in L.A. We'll do one in New York, one in Detroit. You will be aware. Amazing. You will be there, and we'll get you in stealing jokes too. Oh yeah, and we will work on a rec league show. I think that's the move. Let's do it, bro. We got enough uh, connections between us. Right. We could shoot it Thursday. Sebastian could be a fucking one of the dads. He's he a ref. A, makes a kid. I mean, that's a. He's an alcoholic he ump. Born to play for. Yeah. I mean, I would a guy like that strikes me as someone that would want to take on a part that's like completely off rails for them. Or he's just one of the dads that comes in to kind of. Well, I could tell you, I've played ball with Sebastian. He's been on my softball team. We've we there was a time before you got here, before I knew you, me, Sebastian, Steve Byrne, Burke Kreischer, Brett Ernst, we played baseball and softball. Wow. And Sebastian is exactly what you think. He came out in all black. You know what I mean? Like perfectly he was doing stage matched, crew for cats. Perfectly matched, wristbands, knee brace, you know what I mean? Five hundred and sixty four dollars <laughs> worth of equipment on. <laughs> When he came out, and he's a pretty good player. Pretty good. Kreischer could play. Wow. Kreischer could play. I'm not going to lie. Bert Kreischer, athlete. Don't let the body now, you know, distract you from the athletic prowess that lives inside. Solid ball player. That's awesome. Yeah. Not a guy I would push to the ground. We'll get, we'll get all those guys back in for our rec league show. Dude, we could, I mean, I'm telling you, dude. It's a no-brainer. It is. Stamos could be a fucking uh, also just the people in the stands like maybe it becomes a thing where it's not not bad news bears but like cameo drop-ins Stamos is coming because he's dating you know what I mean he's dating a single mom who's or maybe he's the new maybe he's like one of the dads or the guys in the rec league like yeah it's like yeah like my ex is like dating this guy now or maybe it is just Stamos I mean maybe it's just a fucking he has to come drop off something to his ex who's dating a guy on the team <laughs> And the guy's just wrecked. It's like, why Stamos? And they're all talking shit, been but then he shows up, and they're doing like, like, well, what's up? Hey, what are you working on, man? Like, everyone's just doing, you know. Yeah, we're all scared of his looks. <laughs> <laughs> I saw Stamos real quick when I was at Universal playing a New York cop. I'm twiddling around the nightstick, and one of my bits I would do with old ladies, if they were walking slow, I'd blow my whistle and go, you know, 
You know, hey, slow down. It's not a race, sweetheart. I don't know what you're trying to get to so fast. Big Orville Redenbacher mustache, 1940s cop. And Stamos walks through, and I just go, blow the uh, whistle, and I go, I go, hey, save some moose for the rest of us, sir. Huh? Your hair's going to be fine. You can go two days without Vidal Sassoon all up in your head. And he just looks at me and goes, nice. <laughs> like, just like, hey, actor guy. Yeah. I get it. You're doing a bit with John. Yeah. And it was, Wait, was this when you worked there? Oh, yeah. Bro, let me just ask you something. Can I ask you something? Yeah. When you worked there, like, were you a theater? Like, like I'm like, oh, bro, I'm like, what is your technique? Putting on an improv clinic as Wolverine, which is why I eventually got demoted. No, were you I a did kid? Get fired as were you a kid doing voices and characters all the time? Yeah, more or less. Do you but work on like, these characters, like or they myself. just pop off of your head? It was really. I started with any of it was just impersonating friends and teachers, like so doing impressions, impressions. like just doing. My, there was a, a girl that was uh, what I always go back to that was new in school. Everyone had a crush on her. My skinny uh, athletic buddy Evan Hatch uh, ended up kind of you know getting the rose, and uh, you know fucking fat Jew Adam was. Uh, which sounds like a great Mortal Kombat character was actually just a, an overweight uh, sixth grader at Lake Forest Park Elementary, and uh, and I also was trying to vie for her love, and she didn't want any piece of it, and I was like, really, we could share the same bra, and she just didn't want to connect, and so I would prank call, I could do her voice, and we would I would do I'd start to make my friends laugh and pretend to be her, and then we were like, let's prank call Evan, and I did for like an hour and a half in the fifth grade as her to Evan. And looking back, probably could have been even more diabolical. We just did, we just would talk about dumb shit and like I'd try to make my friends laugh that were listening on the prank call. Um, so really just emulating and uh, impersonating was the way into it. But do I wouldn't sit alone that? and like practice voices. Do you use, do you use impressions when you do a character for a movie or for a TV show? Oh, that everyone's, isn't like everything's, a- ba- oh yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I pull, yeah, from, from. Even even a silly part like the MC and Chip and Nails skating around with, you know, aside from screaming out ad libs and things, there were some scenes that that didn't end up um, getting going. But with with something like that where there's not a huge backstory and substance to the show, I still am like, you know, not just trying to be a guy screaming on a mic. I'm still just like, all right, this guy reminds me of this. Like I'm gonna kind of create at least something for him to be out there and how I am with with just to have something to go off of. I can't otherwise. Yeah. You have your own technique. Yeah. Yeah, I always wonder because, like, I mean, Leo's an impressionist. Like Leo, believe it or not, he can imp- he can do an impression of anybody he meets. No way. And that's his crazy. He's got this crazy gift. Like he came to the Laugh Factory one time to like watch me with a few of our friends, and when it was over, we all went out, and he started imitating like the comedians that he saw that night, and I was like. Motherfucker, I've fucking that 15 too. years in this shit, <laughs> and you're doing this guy better than he does himself. Wow, I'm pissed. But like my point is, that's a great gift to have because because the mimicry. I mean, Pryor was a master mimic for characters in his stand-up. Put a pin in Pryor. Let's go back to Leo. Put him in full prosthetic. He plays the grandpa of maybe one of the guys in the rec league that wants to (laughs) like buy the fucking building and demolish the gym. I'm searching for like a what's why are we still playing? What are we fighting for? Right. We'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll figure it. We'll get in the room cameo from leo mike young gotta get it a cameo whether it's just sent through the phone for someone's aunt or it's him in the movie yeah we need a cameo from leo leo's not on cameo is he (laughs) he's on everything but cameo (laughs) good night everybody seeking the truth never gets old introducing june's journey the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery join june parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death 
in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.